Hey everybody, welcome back to Improper Mimi. I'm your host Mimi Jacks, bringing you stories that empower women at home, work, and play. I know, I know, you have missed Mimi and I have missed you too. It has been a few weeks since I have given you a proper Improper Mimi Monday. So I'm back in Brooklyn with one of my favorite homies and we have a delicious new episode for you to kick off your week. Today I'm chatting with Courtney Williams, cycling advocate and the founder of Brown Bike Girl. Join us as we talk about biking in New York City and the importance of educating people of color on how to move through the streets of the city safely. Even though May was technically National Bike Month, bike safety and education is an ongoing thing at all times. The more you know, the more you are empowered to travel the road safely and to protect those around you too. I am so proud of Courtney and I have been impressed by her passion and knowledge about cycling and biking advocacy for many years now. So Courtney, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself and why you love what you do? (laughs) Uh. (laughs) If you love what you do. I love moments of my life. (laughs) (laughs) There are ups and downs in the world of biking. Um, My name is Courtney Williams. I am the founder of the Brown Bike Girl, a bicycle advocacy consulting project, um, which I founded in 2017, officially got off the ground. Mm -hmm. And I consult with people, organizations, governments, private companies, groups of friends, (laughs) whomever (laughs) is trying to help remove barriers from people of color being able to access bicycling. Um, Bicycle advocacy consulting is something I coined. I guess Mm. I established its existence. Um, And it is me trying to fill the gap on the difference between what mainstream cycling culture does and who Mm -hmm. they reach out to when they endeavor to uh, do their projects and, and races and all their activities versus the people of color who I am, (laughs) I am and I represent. I am Um, is and be. (laughs) It it, it is I, it is I. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Who are cycling have been cycling, but mm-hmm. find themselves unaware oftentimes of the larger cycling culture, uh, the history of cycling, the opportunities within cycling, mm-hmm. um, and the advocacy of cycling, because it is advocating for oneself to have a safer environment to then um, do the things that you want to do, go the places that you want to go to, and more Importantly, thinking, you know, of race, make the future safer for future cyclists of color, be they right. other adults who are getting into cycling or the youth, the youth, <laughs> the youth of the world. Yes. Yeah. And that's, 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 a you know, that's a big piece of the apple it, to bite it, off. Yeah. <laughs> it is a large chasm. <laughs> <laughs> It is because, you know, when, when I think of biking and cycling, you know, when I think of cycling, I'm thinking of, you know, spandex and expensive bikes and people racing and going long, long distances. But then when we think of biking, like, 
there's like regular everyday people that are biking either for fun, for their health or for work. And so when you talk about advocacy, and I love that, you know, biking advocacy. Um, yeah, you're really looking out for for the rights of everyone, you know, on a bike, not just um, those who are familiar with being on a bike. Yeah, and I mean, one of the many ways in which my services manifest, right? So mm-hmm. um, I am capable of and have done event coordination for bike tours. Mm-hmm. Um in 2022, I wish to lean more into like strictly using my brain <laughs> to actually <laughs> consult and critique and refine things. But I also do DEI trainings for a lot of these organizations mm-hmm. that are like, oh, dang, um, right. after after the unrest, <laughs> we really <laughs> seem to need to get our act together. Yeah. Um, and I had two of those back to back. One of the things that I make them talk about, like there's units within um, the DI train I, I do, um, mm-hmm. but one of the things I make them talk about is alienating other people through words and othering folks. And so when you, and maybe you did it consciously or subconsciously, talk about the difference between a cyclist and someone who bikes or bikers, like all that language right there is one of the first hurdles. Um that presents itself um, within organizations and amongst just the general public, right? Because just like you said, when you think of cyclists, people tend to think of a more uh, elevated and exclusive and high-end and expensive uh, pastime and or person, like they go together, right? Yeah. And I am for making sure that everybody realizes they're a cyclist. Because, I mean, it's a technical word. Do you have a bicycle? Do you ride it? Mm -hmm. You cycled and therefore you are a cyclist, right? And somebody was like, and, but I under, but I also understand and encourage until it's necessary, until it's not necessary anymore, using more accessible language. Like if you need to engage people, you need to meet them where they're at. So if they need to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm a person who bikes or I'm a casual biker or whatever, that's fine. But I think there's a, I talk to my clients a lot about the psychology of words and what does it Mm -hmm. mean when we use certain words for ourselves versus others who we perceive to be on the outside? How do they relate to things? And I, being a person of color, African-American, am very much about not seeding my identity because somebody else bastardized the term, right? So I think it's very important and powerful that people whoever they are, however they bike, whenever they bike, whatever they're biking on, embrace the term cyclist because Mm -hmm. it's like someone chasing you away from calling yourself human. Be like, okay, well, they don't want me to be human, so I'm going to adopt some other term. Absolutely not. Like, we know we got words for ourselves (laughs) that are in common usage, and I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm just that word because you won't let me be fully human. So that's how I feel about cycling. Cyclist, the people who are the cyclists that come to mind who are expensive, they have all of the privilege and they have all the insight and in mm-hmm. in, in authority and XYZ inside of cycling. Yeah. So to make sure that they know that they're supposed to be giving that to everybody else, they need yeah. to be calling everybody else cyclists as well. Yeah. 
Okay, that's that's a good point. I'll try to remember that. And um, I mean, do it feel comfortable? But that's what I would like for you. That's what I that's what I want I you take, to have. <laughs> I don't want to be improper, you know, and mislabel our cyclists out here. But I, I think for some of the listeners who are not cyclists, it's maybe we could break down even what some of those privileges are. You know, like. Um, maybe like a large organized bike ride where roads are shut off and you have to get permits and everything like that. Not, I, I think sometimes people shy away from, and this is why they also need you to help with this type of events and everything that they shy away from coordinating or trying to take over a road, you know, sometimes because they're like, Oh, we're not allowed to do that. That cyclist club or that, you know, sometimes elite club of people together like they're the ones who could do that we just you know go to the beach go to the park i think the line in public consciousness about what a cyclist is versus who the general public is is that cyclists have clubs cyclists Mm -hmm. have expensive bikes cyclists wear spandex which is actually lycra but we call it spandex anyway (laughs) um you know and that you have to behave a certain way like one of the huge foibles that is cycling is that it is inherently in america for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um it's inherently a culture of like flexing on everybody all the time right Mm -hmm. because it's not a ball-based sport (laughs) Um, it's a sport that requires a very expensive, expensive piece of equipment to participate in, Mm. um, to be able to compete if you wish to compete. And I really emphasize if you wish to, um, compete, you have to pay for travel and travel always comes with lodging and food. So cycling becomes exclusive by nature. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, because men are number one, you know, fans of no that's not even fair to the ladies <laughs> i thought you were gonna say there. offenders <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh because men like the cycling they turn it into traditional masculine forms of competition which is yeah uh part of my language just shitting on everybody else right like yeah, i go, go faster, faster i go mm-hmm. harder I, my time was this your mm-hmm. bike looks like this you know all the pissing contest of hierarchy and supremacy which when i see black guys do it really disappoints and pisses me off because all they're doing is embracing like white supremacist measures of what is success and who is valuable and Mm -hmm. it's just like well you if you thought about it right if you thought about (laughs) it you already know that most of your other brown and black brethren are not going to be able to quote unquote, compete or measure up in those arenas. So that's mm-hmm. why it's supremacist in itself. But that's, that's what the cyclists um, in this, in this paradigm of who's a cyclist versus a, a everyday, an everyday air quotes, cyclist, <laughs> the person who's commuting, the person mm-hmm. who's working or doing a gig job or multiple gig jobs, folks who are just sometimes going to the beach as and stuff, as you said, like, those are the everyday people. And there's presently, there's presently a weird, I mean, it's rational, um, a confluence of this elitism and the still and also this want to appear to be casual like we mm. want to be elite but we don't want to be that kind of elite among i want to be on the fence i want to you know be a little right bit like i still i'm going to incorporate 
needless competition and comparison and be speed and athletic dri- at, <clears throat> athletically driven <laughs> focused on able bodies and sexy bodies and muscular mm-hmm. bodies not fat bodies and chill bodies and move slow bodies and it's still okay bodies um <laughs> amongst the black and brown bike clubs that have come to uh prominence i don't even know if prominence is the right word it's a, they, they've proliferated <laughs> during mm. the pandemic um and it's a it's a weird place because these people are articulating not certain how much they actually necessarily mean it in this culture of whatever hashtag gets you to the top of the timeline but articulating like i don't see myself in these other cycling clubs right that are bent on competition and showing off and things like that but at the same time it's just a they've just chosen different modalities to maybe because they're not fast enough well i don't (laughs) no 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 No, they're definitely (laughs) a lot of very strong cyclists in there Mm -hmm. strong athletically as it can put out Mm-hmm. can put out watts oh my god i'm getting so technical but putting out power and going fast <laughs> right and, but, and it all depends on their desire like what do you whoa. want to get out of your experience of biking okay so back to me as the main character of cycling in this podcast so <laughs> my <laughs> my objectives for yeah. people of color on bikes um also involves education very heavily yeah mm-hmm. and Education to make up for the lack of um, resources given to our communities in terms of infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. So most black and brown communities are going to find themselves with less bike lanes and protected, Mm -hmm. uh, rearranged, complete streets that are conducive to our protection. Many, many political reasons why, but let's just go with the number one reason, racism, okay? (laughs) Um, And in that, it's very much more likely that a person of color is going to end up in either a crash that hurts them or kills them. Mm-hmm. And I am not a huge fan of politics and the, I promise that this bike lane or this project or whatever is going to go down because promises get made, administrations change, and then things go by the wayside or they take too long this is the history of black and brown people in america they say it's gonna give it to us gets there late gets there to uh takes too long Mm -hmm. it goes in it's never maintained etc so i want people of color to be educated on how to move through the streets whether there's a bike lane or not and that serves every human who wants to be on a bike um serves this and the pedestrians, so when, the bikers, so, the drivers. Right, like it's all yeah. a traffic environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to know how to handle your bike, not just make the bike go forward. And that's mm-hmm. one of the top things that's a problem for me when I talk to adults. It's like, hey, I really want to like extend you the invitation to be a part of this. I have a, it's called Urban Road School class. Uh, we go over like navigating the streets and the best way. It's basically defensive driving for bikes, knowing where to put yourself, <laughs> knowing where not to put yourself, that kind yeah. of thing. It's because I don't want you to get crushed. Um, and, you know, the pushback that I get always from men is I already know how to ride a bike. Like, duh, my dude. Like, obviously, I wouldn't be talking to you at this bike ride if you didn't know how to ride a bike. But riding a bike <laughs> is not knowing how to pedal and right. go forward, knowing how to ride a bike. And this is me making a big circle back to my conception of what a, a real cyclist is. Mm-hmm. is someone who knows how to handle their bike and knows how to operate in the street 
without being a dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. don't be a threat to yourself and don't be a threat to others. So mm-hmm. you'll see the difference, like a legitimate and like credit worthy difference between people who race, people who are part of these um, exclusive clubs and whatnot that have historically been unfriendly to people of color. And unfortunately, our um, people of color clubs is a difference in like the fullness of what cycling is mm-hmm. in terms of like your responsibility to know that if you're in a group you have to cycle a lot differently than right. you would if you were just out there by yourself even by yourself you should still have some restraint um not even restraint the knowledge that comes <laughs> with discipline yeah you know? uh, and even so that's my own yeah. Yeah. And even for my own, you know, semi, I'm not reckless, but even for my own reckless self, you know, knowing the rules, you know, so you can break them, you know, but I wouldn't right. break the rules, but I mean, I do, I do slow rolls through stop signs or red lights. And I stuff, mean, but all cyclists, <laughs> like all cyclists are going to break the rules because the streets aren't what they need to be for right. a cyclist complete safety but, but we need the to difference know between knowing are. what the rules are so right. that you know when to break them and when mm-hmm. it's okay versus not knowing how you are in putting yourself in danger or how you're putting other people in danger like right. it feels i know that there's like patronizing as hell to say this but like that's what children do like you're cycling <laughs> like a child you shouldn't yeah. be 40 years old flexing on how hard you can go but you cycle ultimately like a child yeah, not putting yourself or others in danger in intersections around trucks with pedestrians and baby carriages going around. Like you constantly have to keep your head on a swivel, like pretty much no matter where you're cycling. Yeah. So, so it's a big it's a big observation and tension for me when people are like, oh, those clubs, because they're <laughs> I just feel like people are saying a lot more than they've actually made an attempt to they haven't had firsthand experience with the rebuttals that they're saying are the reasons that they aren't participating in the larger culture. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're like, I don't see myself there. Like, okay, you didn't see yourself, but uh, did you go? Like, no, you you also (laughs) didn't even try to get in. So like, just don't, don't act like you got into, you know, you got shunned and you didn't even show up. Um, So stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I can remember, you know, for me, when I first moved to New York, one of the things, yeah. Sometimes I forgot that you aren't from here until you start talking about Boston and their teams for some reason. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yes. You know, Brooklynite. But, um... (laughs) okay. Somebody, somebody was talking about my accent the other day, and I was like, which one? My New York accent or my Boston accent? (laughs) (laughs) whatever they're like yeah um but yeah one of success (laughs) i fooled you you i got you (laughs) that right right um but yeah i really reached out to cycling as a mode of getting to know people because i didn't i mean i knew people in the city but you know it, it was a way for me to get to know people, to get to know the city itself. And that was one thing that I always found so impressive. I think a first ride maybe that we did together was the 
I think it was a New Year's ride where we did a loop of Manhattan. Oh yes, that and was, it were was freezing. Freezing. Yes, but we I didn't leave anyone behind because that's not <laughs> how I do rides. If I say I'm not going to drop you, right. I'm not going to drop you. But also, if you're going to come on a ride where I say I'm not going to drop you, you got to know that there's somebody who might need to get dropped. Who somebody might have might, to take the train home. You gonna have to suffer with it. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right. You know. But I mean. That group really, and with your leadership, you know, because it wasn't just the group itself, but it was with your leadership of teaching the group how to safely ride in a group, because you're right, like some people are fast, some are slow, you'll be bumping wheels, and then everybody falls down. Worst Um, Knowing how to like change a tire, you know, you got a flat tire, uh, there's not always going to be someone around to change it for you. And then also just even communicating. You know, making sure we're working with each other. We're all trying to get to the same place together safely. But, you know, and that's a lot of work because you're mapping out the route. You're mapping out like, you know, um, people you need to help on the flank, left, right, you know, getting everybody. Coordinating, inviting marshals. I have never been so attuned to weather in my life until I became a cyclist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Still to this day, it's just like what percent? What percent is the rain? How many days out is it? Yeah, now, but it does take even, a lot. It does, yeah. And how did you even get to get to that point of teaching and knowing so much about cycling? Like at this point, honestly, I feel like the beginning of it is just all a ball of thread that I'm not really sure. <laughs> they all it touches each other at different points, but more or less. <laughs> The origin story that gets told is I bought a bike at, I moved to, I moved to New York in 2009 and Mm -hmm. I bought a bike at the local flea market. Um, and it was too small for me and I didn't know it, but I was riding around and doing the thing. Mm -hmm, And this was the first time I'm like cycling as adult. Like I never thought as a kid, Mm -hmm. I'd cycle as an adult, but when I got Mm -hmm. here, um you know it was people were being all cute and fanciful and riding their bikes uh so I bought this bike then I realized that I had like maximized all the places I felt safe going by myself within the city I wanted to go outside of the city beyond the city and get more miles and Mm -hmm. so I started organizing for a women's group that a black women's group very specifically that I had seen people kept mentioning to me but it was inactive in here in Mm -hmm. New York Mm -hmm. so I took the initiative because I guess that's the human that I've realized I am and um I was like, all right, <laughs> let's do some rides. Like, and You're then like, I became I the person rides, in charge so of that. I wanted, mm-hmm. I want to do a ride. Like the person who had like the title of being in charge was like, oh yeah, anybody can. I was like, could you have said that? Cause we out here waiting on you girl. But anywho, <laughs> so um, I started organizing the rides and then just the way that my internals is set up. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not addicted to leadership. I don't, I appreciate, I look at the leadership that I have in the world and the people who like follow and support me as, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's a privilege. Like I'm just honored that people trust me. Like no matter how many more things that I get to know or how much I perfect, like people don't have to choose to trust me and they Mm -hmm. do. Um, So 
knowing that people were putting their trust in me and just the vision I have for myself, I also want to give to other people, which is while I recognize that the dominant culture of cycling is to be a road cyclist, so people with the skinny tires and the curly bars who ride on the streets or go far distances, the Mm -hmm. world is large. And that could it be that people want to go track cycling and go around with no brakes and go fast. It could be that people want to do mountain biking and have fat tires and jump over logs mm-hmm. and stuff. And more right. importantly, both as women and black women, I want us to be as sufficient as possible. It makes no sense that there are people who cycle daily who don't know how to take care of themselves in the event of a breakdown. It's just like, why, if you know the number one thing that happens to bikes is that they get flat tires, why would you allow yourself to be vulnerable in that way? Especially if you know that you're going to go beyond uh, a very supported area. So my approach to nurturing everybody around me is to expose them to as much as possible. So yeah, we met up, but we would meet up. I would have thematic stuff because it makes it more exciting. I would have (laughs) classes because we need to know the things. Um, Mm -hmm. I would try to connect us with different pockets of the the mainstream cycling folks, right? And so after I'd done that long enough and after I hosted all these women and taking them on different bike tours that traverse the whole city and different neighborhoods and things, I always Mm -hmm. noticed that when we were going through black and brown neighborhoods the black and brown folks where i was like what is this what y'all doing <laughs> it's a bike marathon it's a marathon no it's a they ain't never seen so many people on a ain't bike never before seen, at the same have time. no idea but like that's low key low high key high key like that's mad disrespectful like how is it that something that has so many years of tradition behind it that is massive mm. that is moving thousands of humans through somebody else's space has not informed the people in the space who they are why they are what they are and if you right. haven't done that that means you obviously haven't invited the people whose space you are traversing right. into mm-hmm. your you know metaphorical space of participation like that yeah. just was wrong to me i mean it is wrong but mm-hmm. like it's the thing that i wanted to then solve because i want yeah. the people who are hanging out the windows at the out of their house and out of the projects <laughs> to know like it's not just another instance of here come the white people organizing the thing and some brown dots in the middle it's like this could mm-hmm. be you you can be with us you see us we are you mm-hmm. like no freaking you can difference. be included yeah right so that was my objective so then I, like i said 20 2016 i registered it so that i could be like you got it on paper now now you gotta do it in 2017 mm-hmm. um i quit my job and went on a five-day bike tour to clear my mind because i realized whenever i would leave a job i would never make space in between the two jobs i would just go one from mm-hmm. another which is psychologically mm-hmm. not good and then you were like there like a breakup it's a breakup you need some space clear your mind and so you were instrumental in the me doing that right because we got in the car and we went to do what the covered bridge ride in Lancaster Pennsylvania um and you dropped me off um, Hi, Courtney. <laughs> and thankfully you After were around a really good ride first. thankfully you were still in the area the next day because i had packed way too much stuff and i offloaded oh, some of gosh. those things to you and what was mm-hmm. it like four days i rode back 
over time and then back my, from pennsylvania right back from pennsylvania i remember New York. i was in lancaster i then i went to oh my gosh it's escaping me right now um some some place i just well, remember it was hot i remember it was so hot and i was just so determined that i didn't register how hot it was or how hilly it was i think in one day i did like 3400 feet oh of gosh. elevation and almost probably was having a heat stroke but i was Wasn't just so there a happy solar eclipse then too it was a solar eclipse there was a lot of astrological <laughs> and just oh life gosh. shifty kind of things were in the air and then when i got I, I ended up in princeton and the whole way that i'm coming home i'm staying mm-hmm. with different guests who like either cycled or were like it's called warm showers right so mm-hmm. i was not camping i was not a camper at that time um so i stayed with the first couple that i stayed with they had they were an older white couple who like toured on tandem bikes and then i remember staying in princeton in some folks house the girl who let me stay at the house wasn't even there she had come to nyu so like she was a freshman coming oh. to nyu and mm-hmm. her parents house was like a freaking movie set like three white white outside white interior bmws <laughs> and like i was just like wow people live like this and while i was at mm-hmm. their house is when i got the call from somebody who knew me from the work i did to be like hey there's this black bike tour in East New York that needs all the help um, to make sure that it actually happens this year. And I think it was, hell, I don't even think it was a full 30 days before that event was supposed to happen that I stepped in. And that was my first really big um, contract, which was Bike East Bike Tour, which I eventually would grow from like, what, 70 people to 200 people in the course of three years. Yeah. Yeah. So that me. And then I just kept doing every every other problem that popped up. That's what happened. Uh, along the way, I got league certified. So I'm a league certified instructor with the League of American Bicyclists. Mm-hmm. Uh, just recently, I got my wilderness first aid training because I want to take people bike packing. Um, I'm also a youth instructor. Uh, youth out- I think they changed our program name, but whatever. Youth Outdoors uh-huh. for... Uh, Appalachian Mountain Club so like all of the things I just want them to go together I want to be able to tell people all right you want to do xyz thing I'm I'm here with it um let me know how I can be of service to you right doing this well and safe I'm really obsessed with people not dying it's you know it's nice (laughs) I would like people to come back home whole and Mm -hmm. happy that's all I want right yes you know and you know, the whole thing with, you know, me and the podcast and Improper Mimi is like empowering women, you know? Mm. So I love that. Yes, we want to go out and have fun and we want to get back home safely. But I think when you teach someone how to properly care for themselves, how to protect themselves, that is empowering. Like absolutely, that empowers them to go beyond, like we said, their little neighborhood, you know, they could go further if they want to go outside the city if they want to do um you know riding on the the little highways in pennsylvania mm-hmm. <laughs> or if they just want to ride in manhattan on second half like yeah. you know and, come on. and nobody should have to and this is something that happens a lot like <laughs> one of the big mistakes that happens when people are trying to get their friends into cycling but very much more specifically uh in hetero relationships where there's a guy who already cycles mm-hmm. and a woman or a femme and the guy will go and be like, 
one, either he'll get the woman out there and he's just going too hard, too fast, and mm-hmm. just trying to make her into a type of cyclist that she doesn't necessarily want to be, but she doesn't know that there's types of cyclists. So mm-hmm. she can't articulate, like, I don't want, ever want to go that fast or that far. <laughs> I just want to run some errands. I just want to get onto the safe greenway and, like, take my yeah. time. But, right, that image of what is cycling in terms of possibilities is not shown widely enough i think to people of color and the other thing they'll do is they'll go and their partner has no interest in actually cycling but they then go and get them a bike and (laughs) a bike is deeply personal like it is literally Mm -hmm. between your legs come on so (laughs) they'll go get them in the inner regions the tender pots they'll go and get them a bike and be like all right i got her bike i don't know why she likes to ride. right so if i can teach people like this is yeah. what you need this is what you can do this is when you can mm-hmm. do it we no longer have women getting dragged out by overzealous men in their life who are not <laughs> listening to what ladies actually want and need and they can mm-hmm. they can direct their own uh, athletic adventure so right yeah <laughs> and I love it when, you know, every now and then, once, you know, we know what we're doing, then we can over, you know, overpower the men too. I mean, it's like, <laughs> we should it's an endurance. Him. It's all we want. Yes. It's about, you know, it's about endurance as well. So yes, you, you may shoot off or you may get up to the top of the hill a lot faster than me, but I can do a hundred miles and I'll meet you at the end. And yeah. you know, like, it's about getting we there. Do this. It's about right. Getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say, as these couples are trying to spend two or three hours together doing something they both enjoy, Mm -hmm. you know, really make it enjoyable. And I think that's the bigger flex of being able to control and pace yourself so that the group or the company you're with, you're, you're able to, you know, you could challenge them, but you're not leaving them behind. You're not making it something that they don't want to do. Don't right. ber- don't berate your loved ones. That's not love. <laughs> um, truly, it's not. But the irony so. is, I mean, not with that situation, but one of the confusions because of the name I've chosen for my project, i.e., myself, is like, like, oh yeah. And to see, this is a measure of and when people just want name? you for your color or mm-hmm. your gender. Uh, the brown bike girl is that yes. people will be like this is Courtney she works with black women and I'm just like actually <laughs> no I don't uh-huh. I don't just it's not just what I do or like people will invite me to and I'm not mad at them but it's just mm-hmm. it's just not my focus like if you've listened to anything I've done or looked at my projects and the captions underneath like what we were talking about it's always about yeah. racial equity um, access mm-hmm. Um, overcoming circumstances that have been foisted on us infrastructurally, socially, things like that for Mm -hmm. uh, majorly uh, black and brown Americans of moderate and low income, you know, folks with folks who have inherited the oppression (laughs) directly from their enslavement or capture or relocation or whatever, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm usually talking about. So people will be like, do you want to participate in this women's thing? And I'm just like, while I am a woman and I could be insightful, like I just, I actually avoid those kind of like panels and talks because mm. then people will try to box me there when, no, like my name, the brown bike girl is intended to signify like that's who I am and what I have been, like the singular 
uh, in so many situations within the large advocacy stage, like I'm the brown bike girl, like I'm the brown one, <laughs> I'm the female one, like there's no one else like me in the room. Mm-hmm. And I want there to be others like me in the room, right? right? But I realized at the start of my business, like, I just wanted to come out the gate, like, training other people to lead. Um, mm-hmm. But there was not enough just basic proficiency in my people for them to jump right into leadership. Like, I've been spending so much time trying Mm. to cultivate bike culture um a responsible i want to emphasize a responsible bike culture one that um as we talked about rules and discipline and stuff like that people who value that but also people who are interested in others well-being Mm -hmm. right um because that competitive stuff is very inward and solitary at the end of the day um and who want to see the bigger picture of I'm a cyclist, but cycling is on the street. And the street is infrastructure and Department of Transportation. It's also health. It also intersects with um, if I create access for other people like myself to cycle, then I'm helping them save money. I'm giving them independence. I'm giving them opportunities at joy. I'm giving them exposure to green space, which is psychologically good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't want to be with and help more people see that and then carry again what they find valuable forward and be the brown bike women's and girls and gncs <laughs> and whomever but i yeah. want i want more of us in a serious space not in just a play space not just a consuming others energy space not just a flexing mm-hmm. on each other's space um so i'm still perfecting how to get there um <laughs> truly yeah Uh, but yeah that that's the vision yeah that is a beautiful vision too yes are there any um let's say we we talked a little bit about it but are there any misconceptions that you think um well we kind of just talked about them but any misconceptions that maybe the communities have about um cycling yeah there's uh it just seems so stereotypical and common that it feels ridiculous but i know it's a fresh argument for like lots of people that black people tend (laughs) black and brown people (laughs) tend to hate the bicycles because they think it's a um a sign that white people are coming to gentrify and displace them which is a valid concern yeah, is this just bicycles concern. riding in the street, or is this the city bikes taking over all of the bikes? Space in the street. basically the post-traumatic stress of not having things for so damn long, and then suddenly, and everybody's interested in your community, and things are changing. Mm. And if you aren't already plugged into a cycling community, to know that there are black and brown cyclists. Um, that are cycling for work Mm. as well as for pleasure you don't see the validity in that cycling uh infrastructure going up so you're like wait then who is this for i mean rational mind stuff who this for (laughs) it ain't for me my cousin right my people and my cousin i don't know who this for who is this for (laughs) we all know who it's for says the person Uh to themselves and so (laughs) then there's already this defensiveness toward you know things Mm. that literally are universally 
useful. And going back to my DEI, like this, this is something I had to talk to um, a client organization about last week. They're like, what do we do? How can we be equitable and, and helpful when we know that there will be times where we will be across on the opposite side of the table from what the black community wants. The black community will want to preserve their parking oftentimes, mm-hmm. right? So if they're not concerned about displacement and not supporting bike stuff because of that, they're concerned about parking and, mm-hmm. you know, layers and layers deep. But this whole, um, the fixation with car culture serves so many purposes, right? Black and brown people are traditionally pushed to the outskirts of any geography they're in. So they are more likely to need personal transportation to have reliable and timely Mm -hmm. ways to arrive to work. Um, But also like car culture means prosperity and even more so when you're a recent immigrant, right? To have a full house, to have a full car of your own, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So there's so many identities wrapped up in this. And so I had to say to them, I'm like, all right, pause. Like when you say Mm -hmm. you're going to be on the opposite side of the table, uh, against or anticipating being on the opposite side of the table from the black and brown community, what you're really actually needing to reframe this as and ask yourself is, is this a people of color problem or is this a problem with I failed to do outreach early enough to help mm, them understand why this is valuable to them? And did you look at what their priorities are mm. and try to make the connection between, all right, you all live by highways you have crazy high asthma rates if you all were to give up some car space it would contribute to bringing down asthma rates in your community right but if nobody's ever made these connections even though they seem so Mm -hmm. common sense to people who are already in the space unless you're digging into what do other people need and how is what I also want useful to them? And not in a leveragey way, but like a validity way. You're mm. always going to see it as, dang, the people of color just aren't cooperating for goodness mm. knows what reason. Like you, <laughs> just, like you just didn't make the effort early enough, right? Um, yeah. There's so much more to cycling, you know, as we get closer and closer to that deadline where the earth is going to boil and we'll still all be alive. Mm. Um mm-hmm. Originally, the popularity in cycling in America was really closely tied to environmentalism. And it is very timely that it needs to happen again, that that conversation Mm. is, and not to fully say introduced as if there aren't black and brown activists and advocates who are heavily involved in, you know, self-sufficient, environmentally friendly, sustainable practices and stuff like that. But being that the cycling culture is majority white, you need to come back through and introduce mm-hmm. like, here's a link. Here's what this is going to do for you, black and brown community, whether you rely on us to do it or not. If you accept cycling as part of a valid lifestyle, this yeah. is going to enhance your quality of life. That's the messaging that needs to go down. But they out here... They out here uh, saying, "Why is this happening to me?" Be like, "Oh, if you embrace it, it right, you can benefit from it, right?" And it is, yeah, it is not POC being confused and irrational and spooky. All of this Mm -hmm. is rationally informed, and uh, you also haven't done your job 
efficiently for a very long time. So now you got to go back and mm. lay foundations with parts of the community that you didn't um, mm-hmm. and be patient with yielding the results of, you know, that slow turn toward, toward that mm-hmm. kind of justice. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be sure to, you know, include people in these conversations yeah. and not just come bearing down upon them. Like, Why don't you know? <laughs> uh, when, I'm sorry. Who are you? When, when did I ever talk to you before? Right. Like that can't, that doesn't make sense. Doesn't right. make sense at all. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I love, you know, biking. I used to do it a lot more than I do now. Well, I mean, isn't that but... what us and our little laps is about? <laughs> right, yeah. We used Holding to be each other different people. Five years ago <laughs> was a different, lighter, faster, I remember. Courtney. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Yeah, trying to, trying to get back. I have accepted. We were biking up mountains and We Jamaica. was going far. <laughs> the temperature didn't bother nobody. We were just like... Do, do, do. Oh, we're gonna do it I, I honestly a, a lot of our friends have dispersed and mm-hmm. I just I just miss my friends when you have your friends cycling becomes so much easier even if right. it's to share the suffer experience and laugh at each other but <laughs> like when you're out there just like I need to train so that I can be good enough to cycle that is just a low feeling it I is know, not, like, what it's are not we positive motivation <laughs> right we're getting our our core back, and we're you know building our legs again, mm-hmm. and we're getting fresh air. Yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I am just trying to make it, <laughs> but I am happy for everybody who's you know feeling twenty five years old mm-hmm. and don't know what pain is when you wake up in the morning. That's they problem. No, see, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. But it is different to be thirty seven versus twenty five. It very ah, much yes, the joys of it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. But hey, like even when you're talking about, you know, biking cross states, it reminded me of my dad. Like he was 66 when Wait. he went biking from Gary, Indiana, going to Boston. Who did he stay with in Gary to get started? Y'all have some cousins? <laughs> We had, I think, some church friends. So he was like, so at least you stayed with like warm showers and, you know, people who Uh offered up their homes and stuff. Uh He stayed with either friends or family or firehouses or or camping out Uh or, you know, just like random places along the way. And we're like, is this safe for, you know. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, caveat, this is a post-Trump world. But <laughs> that is just so random. But overall, I do feel that people of color are very specifically black people are overly, we're bred to be overly cautious by our parents and families because of all of the very real dangers that have sought mm-hmm. us out. And made it bad to be solitary in an open space. But once Uh, you get outside and you start moving, the world is never as bad as you can imagine it to be. Can something go extremely heinously wrong? Can the big truck up, um, pickup truck in your mind with a giant 
Nazi Trump, whatever, fascist ass flag, <laughs> pull up behind you, snatch you, blah, 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 do the thing. Yeah, it could. But when mm-hmm. you're actually riding that 400 miles, that 600 miles, you don't really see that truck, right? Thank you God. See li- you see little vestiges of people's lives. Were there times where I got turned around in Pennsylvania and, you know, I stopped and looked up and I was under a giant ass Confederate flag? Yes, the fuck <laughs> I was. Why Pennsylvania? You were never part of the Confederacy. I don't know. But was I under mm-hmm. the big giant flag? Yes. Did anybody storm out of the building and be like, gotcha? Like, no. <laughs> I don't care. Right? Well, we won the day. <laughs> and there are far more people who are willing to be to help. courteous yeah. to you and helpful mm-hmm. to you um, than there are people waiting with pitchforks or whatever other tools of fuckery um, well you know in transylvania too you know you know her dad was trying to tell her don't go to the village <laughs> i don't i don't know Trans- isn't that a like a child's movie <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with it ain't nothing wrong with it yes right it just brought back the the pitchforks and I people got coming you, after you, you and you know all in the protection to try to keep you home and safe where none yeah. of that stuff will happen to you now i will say <laughs> Yeah. If it's just some random white people who you don't know well who invite you outside, that's still a Negro no from me. Don't <laughs> no. No, no, no. We don't go with no, people no, who no, we no. don't know to places uh-huh. we don't control. No, we don't do that. Like, but solo out. shit and shit with your mm-hmm. friends, you fine. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Courtney, for coming and like sharing your story and even your thoughts and um on how to you know, make biking a little more equitable um, and cycling for cyclists, you know, in their neighborhoods, in the city and, you know, transportation wise and leisurely as well. Um, and working. And working. Very yeah. Because there's, there's a, a big population that depends on, you know, bicycles for work as well. Um, but how can people get in contact with you or um, some of the, um, events that you talked about i know we'll put them down in the notes below for everyone but yeah tell us like where are you where you be at i live in the ether of the internet <laughs> <laughs> in the interwebs <laughs> i i emerge uh with posts so you can follow if, honestly i think i've done a good job at like seo so if you search mm-hmm. for the brown bike girl you will find that i have a Facebook page for those of you who want to share with aunties and them, you know, they <laughs> tend to prefer that format. So you can share there. Mm-hmm. I am on the Instagram, which is most active. Um, mm-hmm. I have a Twitter, which Ooh. is an angry place. So it's usually people Uh-oh. posting like pictures of <laughs> like the cops or somebody parked in the bike lane and doing it right. I try not to engage there too much because it makes you angry. Um, <laughs> I also just generally have, uh, I do not have a website that functions, but I do have my www or what do you call it? The URL. Ooh, la. Oh, um, yes. The brownbikegirl.com. And that mm-hmm. actually will take you to all of the links of things that I have going on. So you can see a video of me because uh, I was yeah. not ready to be seen this evening. Um, you can see a video <laughs> of me uh, doing a bike tour. You can uh, always find all of my most recent events in classes mm-hmm. i have my final class i am your new york city people's bike mayor 
Um, and I have been educating people as I've been talking about with my class, Urban Road School, all throughout the pandemic because I want mm-hmm. people to stay alive and just all yeah. various things. You can donate money to me. You can become one of my Patreon sponsors. I like to give people yeah. uh, baubles and dangles and opportunities and whatnot. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just the brownbikegirl.com will get you to most places and keep right. you in the know. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And we want everyone to be in the know. So whether you are in New York or whether you are looking to get back on a bike or to learn on um, safety measures, um, or even if you want to do some bike advocacy in your own city, you know, um, uh, reach out to Courtney. Yes, follow follow Courtney. I do not give lessons. People always like, my wife, see, my wife needs to learn how to bicycle. What's your right? I'm like, that's, that's not my journey. Can I, can I technically teach people how to ride a bike? Absolutely. Like in two hours, I got you. I can do it. Yeah. It's a, it's a technique. It's a technique. But like, I feel like my quote unquote, and this is coming directly out of like valuation for (laughs) urban planning, my highest and best use, right? Mm. My highest and Mm -hmm. best use is that. I can organize events and I can think critically and I can, I think I, I convey messages well in a comprehensive way for folks who are outside of the BIPOC experience to come to terms with what it is they have mm. and what they should be doing. And I, I know there are less people who can do that than, you know, I equate, Amen, girl, I equate teaching people how to ride mm-hmm. a bike, no disrespect to like tying shoes. Everybody knows how to tie a shoe. If you ask somebody on the street, can you show me how to tie a <laughs> shoe? They'll be like, yeah, right. But everybody can't come along and do the other things that I've chosen to do. So right. that's where I try to put my effort. Yeah. And we value that effort. And it's, yes. It's so good to see it go a long way. Yeah. Yes. Awesome sauce. So. All righty. Well, Again, I appreciate everything that you do, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you for will... being a fan. Travel around the world. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, and good night. <laughs> there you have it. Another Improper Mimi episode with your host, Mimi Jacks chatting with an awesome woman and sharing her story with you, my listeners. Thank you, Courtney, for sharing the Brown Bike Girl origin story with us, as well as many tips and insightful ways to make cycling education inclusive in communities of color. Thank you also to my listeners for supporting Improper Mimi and allowing us to include you in on this conversation. I always have a good time with Courtney on and off the bike. And I hope you guys did too. You should definitely connect with her for more cycling information. Be sure to let me know if there are any other improper topics you would like to hear about. Just slip me a DM or leave a message in the comments section. Have fun this summer, protect yourselves, and as always, keep telling black stories. Ciao!